be seated. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank y'all for that song. Thank you. Rod, for your leadership. Jake, for your leadership. We love y'all so much, man. Y'all are such blessings to us. And we appreciate y'all. I, I feel like a caged animal today. Does that song not get you going? Wait, y'all need a Twinkie? What is the deal? God is able, and he is so good. I know some of you are going, John, I don't know all the words. It's okay that, that listen, come at 3 o'clock today if you had not seen the play. Come at 3 o'clock. Come at 3, yeah. There's some people in this room in it. Come see the play. The reason why is the screen is tied to that, uh, I don't know what that's called, but whatever that green thing's called, that's a great design. It's tied to that, so that's why. So, um, listen, I want you to know why God is able. This is why, this is why God can do what he can do, and this is why I love you at Summit. Uh, where's Alec Emenheiser? Alec, I think I see you. Alec, I just want to tell you something. Hey, Robbie. Hey, listen. I just want to do that for y'all. Alec, you sent me that, that um, text this morning. I want y'all to know something. When God gives you an encouraging word, it doesn't just speak to you. It burns in you. Can I tell you that? Okay, I'm not talking about heartburn, though that's good, right? No, I'm kidding. Alec, you sent me that text this morning. Uh, was it this morning? It was yesterday at 11.07. And he sent me a text and he said, and he said I read an article that made me think of you about Russell Moore. Russell Moore is the head of the Religious and Ethics Commission. Come on, somebody, stay with me. This guy wrote an article about basically the spiritual warfare of boring preaching. Listen, y'all know I've been getting it all the time because people say, John, you're emotional. John, you're this. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I am emotional, but I don't come from emotion. The Lord expresses himself in my emotion. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach as if it's somebody's last sermon they'll ever hear before they face Jesus Christ or they burn in hell. If it's my last sermon, I'm going to go with everything I got. Because if I gave Satan all I had, come on. Then I'm going to do it for the Lord. But that argument, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be fired up. I was sharing it with Robbie. I was sharing it with Hayden and Seth, those guys. And it said this. Listen, the first one got me going this morning now. Like, it's your fault. Don't get another concussion, man. All right, here we go. The devil is a preacher. From the third chapter of the Bible, that's where Adam and Eve fell. That's where they sinned. From the third chapter of the Bible onward, he meaning the devil, is opening up God's word to people, seeking to interpret it, to apply it, and to offer an invitation. And what I love about what, what I love about what he wrote in there, basically the whole point is this, is that when people, when sermons are boring, that means God's not in it. Because if people out there are worshiping and they can't worship because all they can do is think about their flesh. I'm tired. I'm hungry. No, I am hungry. Uh, you know, all those things. Then what happens is when the flesh is winning, God isn't. But I'm going to tell you what. We serve a God who's too good. Now, this is what we're going to So you got phones. You're good to go. So if you got your phone, pull out your phone. You got a Bible. You got an iPad. Maybe you got to memorize because you're holier than what you're just right under Jesus. All right, so I'm not. God uses the foolish things of the world confound the wise. That's why he used John Davis. Come on, y'all gotta loosen up this morning. We had summit. We, we had summit people. This ain't the church you grew up in. If you even went to a church, but we had summit. We down home. All right, here we go. This is what I love. Revelation 21. This is why God 
is able, and this is why the whole sermon points to taking the mask off, and this is where we're asking God to step in and destroy the accusations of the devil. That's where we're going today. God is going to destroy it because he already has. That was a good word. Verse 1. Come on now, y'all got to get there with me. Pull out your phones, do something. At least you can, you can be texting people. They know they're reading the Bible. Here we go. You're just checking out my Instagram. All right, here we go. Then I, just kidding. Then I saw a new what? And a new what? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Nothing separating the people. Nothing separating the land. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God and prepared as a beautiful bride, uh, excuse me, as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. There they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And we just want to do a lap just on that verse. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write these down. Listen, I want you to know something. The reason why it's so powerful that God is able that there's going to be a day when we're not just partly in his presence, but we are fully in his presence. And everything on this world has got to be changed to be in the presence of the one who's continually making all things new. Can I get a witness? So here's what I want to say to you today. This is what it looks like. This is why it's so powerful. This is why we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and why it's so powerful and so good because this is the treasure and joy that we're going to. We don't worship a Jesus locked up on a cross, nailed by some nails with people spitting that had formerly slapped him and beat him. We are worshiping the one who stomped death and rose from the grave and we will forever be changed. Look at Revelation 1, I know. I'm getting there. Come on, Brittany. You've got to bring it to me now. That's why I love you being here. All right, Revelation 1. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. I might have to trade this for the stand. I kind of like the stand better. Ooh, but this is so good. Revelation chapter 1. This is what it looks like. Verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Seven lampstands with the seven churches. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Now here's what Jesus looks like. Here's the one who is our overcomer. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Can you imagine seeing Jesus? Nothing can stand in the presence of Jesus because even his eyes were burned up. But we who have already been burned up by the Holy Spirit can stand in his presence as lights that glow and reflect his glory. 
Verse 15, his feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. So those are the messengers, or the angels of the seven churches. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. That's the word of God, people. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not want saints. Listen, we got nothing to fear. Because the king of kings has destroyed everything that can destroy us. Though there will be sorrow in the night, joy will come in the morning. There will be a death day, but it also will be a wedding day. You can tweet it. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. God who started it will be the one who ends it. Your doctor doesn't have your death day. God holds your death day because your death day is a wedding day for us to be around the throne. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And then, then I love this verse, this little sentence. It makes me want to do a lap. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Listen, as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't have anything to fear because Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. Therefore, there's no more wrath for us. We get the love of God. And though a righteous man may fall seven times, he's going to get back up because Jesus is overcomer of all things. So here's what I know, Revelation 12. Yeah, Jesus, I'm praying. Come on, somebody. I know I'm going to preach hard as I can. Revelation 12. Woo. The reason why God is so victorious reason why Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, when we say give God glory, live for his glory, that's all. When we say glory, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 explains that God's glory is the face of Jesus Christ. So when you say, I want to give God glory, what you're saying is, I really want to lift up the name of Jesus. Look at Revelation 12 verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael, right, the top angel. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. See, we are no match for Satan, but Jesus is. I know. But he was not strong enough. I love this. And they lost their place in heaven. The death, the dragon, the devil, the serpent was not strong enough. He lost his place in heaven. But we have been seated in the heavenlies. Though he has been lost, we are not lost. But he, meaning the devil, was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil. He says the ancient serpent. He's referring to Genesis chapter 3. Or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, say now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. Can I just make a side note now? Is that whenever you come in the name of Jesus, we come in the name of authority. We 
We don't come in the authority of the United States. We don't come in the authority of Charleston Southern. We don't come in the authority of CSU. We don't come in the authority of your family name. We come into the name that is above every name. So every name has to bow at the name of Jesus. Okay, here we go. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, he's relentless in his accusations. Satan is relentless in his accusations. Who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Listen, I'm getting ready to pray and ask the Lord, but he's already doing something in us today, is that I want you to know that accusations is exactly what Satan wants to do to us to keep us from living in Revelation 21 by the power of Revelation 1. He wants to keep us in a place where we don't see Jesus as the first and the last, the alpha and the mega, the beginning and the end, the one who holds the keys of death and Hades. Satan wants to accuse us all the time so that we don't live in the presence of Jesus in Revelation 1 so that he can make all things new by the power of his presence in Revelation 21. There's this consistency of accent. In fact, 1 Peter 5.8 says, The devil goes around like a roaring lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion. That's what he's trying to do, to confuse us. But here's what's so beautiful about this passage. He says, they triumph over him. We will triumph over him because he comes from a place of defeat. We come from a place of victory. The only thing that hinders us is us. And how do we overcome? By the blood of lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ. When they would mark it over the doorpost, and Exodus as symbolic of that there will be a deliverer. There will, listen, you can't be forgiven by the blood of goats and lambs. Hebrews chapter 10 says the blood of goats and lambs cannot forgive sins. Well then John, what did they have in the Old Testament? They had it in the Old Testament to show that there's got to be a Messiah coming who can only do what he can do by his righteous blood. So, Triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb. It is Jesus and him crucified and his resurrection. And by the word of his testimony, we will never overcome if we know that Jesus died, but we don't believe that Jesus died. We can't overcome unless we have a word of a testimony where Jesus stepped out of heaven and stepped into your life. So you don't have a testimony without a test where you moan. So if you're not in a place ever been tested and where Jesus is overcome, you just might not be saved. What I mean by that is this. There's a lot of people who want to talk about Jesus, but there's not a lot of people who love Jesus because people who love Jesus are willing to sacrifice. So when God takes us to a place of sacrifice, we overcome the cost of the sacrifice by the blood of the Lamb 
no one else can step in. And he saw us through. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Only he can do it. He can do it. But Satan, when he brings us as believers to the point where God is calling us, causing for us to have a map. Listen, if you've ever been a parent in this room, you know what I'm talking about. Especially if you try to follow Jesus. You got to give up a lot. See, when you were when you were dating your spouse, you wanted to look good. Listen, if I could look hipster, I have a dream. I want to look hipster. But if I wore skinny jeans, you might see a muffin top so bad you couldn't even see my belt. But you know what? When you when you get married, you're like, okay. The game has been proven. Still gotta look good, try to. Because I'm gonna walk my wife walking around going, mm, John's over there, you know. This might dress him up. But then when you have kids, you gotta, you gotta give up something. You gotta stop giving up what you want, right? Because of money, you gotta start helping prepare other people. See what happens, God takes us to a place. And you do it because you love them, though sometimes you want to trade them. Then you repent. But what happens is, when Jesus brings us to a place as believers where he calls us to a place where we got to give because there's people that don't know Jesus Christ and the only way they're going to see Jesus Christ or feel Jesus Christ is by the people who are so sold out in Jesus Christ that they feel the presence of God on those people that transfers into him that they will bow the knee and surrender their life to Christ. And God's going to bring us to that place. And the only place, the only way we can overcome it is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I want to tell you today that the word of the testimony is going to be powerful in your life. There's going to be a place where God speaks powerfully in your life. I, I, I love this part. Uh, and, I, and Stephen Furtick even talked about it. And there's a good book. It's, it's, it's been out a little bit. It's called Crash the Chatterbox. Some of you might have read it. It's a good book. He says, temptation is not the devil's primary objective. We talked about temptation last week, and we're on this two-part series. Take the mask off, right? How we wear masks, the druids, right? The, the little earthy people there, they're in what we consider um, Ireland today. They would put masks on. They would start fires at night to, so that they could light it up so they were afraid of the evil spirits. That was the whole idea. They would put masks on. And you think about, you know, think about, all y'all know about Halloween, all Hallows Eve. Hallowed means saints, right? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be what? I mean, you know what it means. Hallowed means saints, holy, right? The holy ones of God. And so the early church had this November 1st celebration where they would, they would celebrate the saints of God. The saints of God were so powerful that if you walk into a lot of the French cathedrals today and even the ones that have catacombs at the bottom, you'll see the cathedrals in the shape of a cross. You know, people couldn't read or write. That's why they put stained glass, stained glass, in just in the in the church, you know, out, out in the country where it says, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You see Jesus being coming out the water in a pub or whatever. People think, oh, stained glass is a holy place. Get over it. No, what happens is, is they would put those glasses up in medieval times because people couldn't read or write. And so they put glass and they would tell the stories. They would draw pictures on it to tell the stories. And so they would put, in medieval times, the basilica and other places, they would put them in the shape of a cross. And then in the back, the priest, where they had communion and everything like that, that was in the back. And you would see the bones of, of, of the believers that had died. I mean, they were, they, were, they, were, they were holy, they were special, they were prized. 
Men, it was important to them. Community was important to those people. And so they would, they would put those bones in the back because it was, a, it was a hallowed day. It was All Saints Day when they would celebrate the believers because of Jesus Christ. But you know what would happen over time, how that's turned into Halloween or All Hallows Eve or the Eve before Saints Day because it used to be a celebration long, 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 hundreds of years ago. Nobody celebrates that anymore. But what we do in the 40s, 1940s, it came uh, for marketing person, Halloween, see, all the, the idea of all the evil part of it, the evil side of it. I'm not saying if you dress up, you're going to burn in hell. I'm just saying don't dress up as one who is burning in hell. Thank you. 
the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's what God is doing right now. He's moving us in a place. But we have to see Jesus in Revelation 1 and believe Jesus in Revelation 1. Or we'll just stay in Revelation chapter 12 and we'll be, he's accusing and accusing and accusing. In other words, when people are going down, they want you to go down too. So be careful, my sisters and brothers, who you let in your inner circle. Do not be misled, Scripture would say. Bad company corrupts good morals. So what happens is there's accusations in our life over and over and over. The final word about Satan that we have about him is that he is the accuser. His main job isn't temptation, it's accusation. And accusation is powerful because in a sense it brings up the past. It brings up the path. Accusation is a lie mixed with truth. Listen, I want you to see something. I want you to see something powerful. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. I know I live in there a lot, but listen, it, it, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Revelation, um, excuse me, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 and 5. I want us to get context. I want to read some verses. Genesis 3. One through five. Now the serpent, the kosh, where we get nations. Why was the serpent in the garden? Because there was nations that needed to be saved. The nations became the source of temptation for Israel. The same word for nations we see in, 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 in numbers is the same word for serpent. We can hear the serpent was the source of temptation. The serpent was using nations as a source of temptation to bring down Israel. People around us. Satan will use to bring us down. Now the serpent was more crafty and wise than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. She's messing some things up here, you'll see. In the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. And we sell that. But she's just kind of adding on. That's what we do. We kind of add God's word. I pray that I'll add or take away. Look what he says. Verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. And I think it was Stephen Dempster. At this moment, listen to what, listen to what Satan says. Listen to what he said. He said the very thing that God said would bring death, he says is the very thing that will bring life. Did anybody get that? Because that was huge. The enemy wants us to look at what the world would call brings sin. He wants us to look at sin as what brings us life. He wants sin to be the source of life. And in essence, sin is brings death. But the wages of sin is I didn't hear you. The wages of sin is, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He just called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that if you ate of it would bring death, would be a very source of life. And then what he's going to do, he's going to use that as the very thing that he's going to accuse him of. You see, God, look at Adam and Eve. Look at your highest creation. For all have sinned, therefore all deserve death. They deserve the same punishment 
treated us like, and then he will spit it and accuse us with it. But God has an answer, and I want you to see something. What he says in verse 5. This is so good. I praise Stephen. I praise the Lord for having Stephen Dibbs open my eyes to this. Or the Holy Spirit open my eyes. Verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, if God is not evil, then why do I want to know anything that God's not in? There's a hidden message here. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a point that's subtle. He says in verse 5, for who? Verse 5, it starts out, what does it say? For who? Notice Genesis 2.16. When God was talking to Adam, what did he say in Genesis 2.16? He says this. The Lord, I love this, he says, and the Lord God commanded the man. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Satan says, or his name, accuser of the brethren is what he's called. The last part of what we get of him in the Bible, he's the accuser of the brethren. He says you will not die. But listen, Adam had a chance. Eve had a chance for either God to be God or God to be the Lord God. Mm, I'm talking to somebody. 16, what does it say? Genesis 2, 16. And the who? Uh, I didn't hear you. And the who? One more time. And who? Genesis 3, 5, 4, who? What's missing? Talk to me. Ha. Hebrew, 2.16. And the Yahweh Elohim. Jesus is not my Lord. 
Accusations will reign in our lives. So let's take off the mask. Let's just go ahead and be real with God. And let's just go ahead and say, listen, God, I just want you to know that my problem isn't you being God. My problem is you being Lord. Because there's somebody who challenges you on the throne, God, and it's me. You see, when Eve and Adam were Lord of their lives, it led them straight to death. But when the Lord is the Lord of our lives, He leads us straight to life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the Yeah, you get it. So that is what's missing. It's Lordship. I hear a lot of people, oh, funerals, weddings, walking the I hear a lot of people call upon God, but I see very few people that walk with Him as Lord. I'm talking about when you know somebody walks with the Lord, because they got to bounce in their step regardless of what's underneath their feet. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Listen, your spouse, if you're single this room, I want to tell you something. There's not a spouse on this earth that can walk you through the last moments of your life. There's only one who's sweeter and only one who's greater, and his name is Jesus. And you and I have a chance today for Jesus to be Lord. There's a, God's got to have a Lord moment in our life. Because if he doesn't have a Lord moment in our life, then accusations will reign in our life. And we will always be thinking of us instead of thinking of him. Because accusations get us to prize us. Here, let me just pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, open our eyes to this. I need some help because I'm not bringing it like I should. But God, I know you will bring it as it needs to be. So I pray today that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words. But I beg you, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. He is Lord in the test, even when I'm known. And I don't come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of spirit and power. So Lord, as your servant, we, your servants, humble ourselves in front of you and ask you to be the Lord over every accusation and the Lord over every situation so that, Lord, when there's glorification that takes place, you will be seen better and more satisfying than anything else. And we ask this according to the one who ever came at all. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm saying, say what? So here is the only way I know to do it. And I didn't, want to even, I didn't even want to bring this passage up to you. It's two verses. So here's the whole application. How do we overcome application? How do we overcome accusation? You know what your accusation is? You have one bad outing as an athlete. You have one bad test as a student. Come on. You have one bad date, one bad relationship, one fail as a parent. Then all of a sudden, what do we do? We superimpose one moment in time for it to be all time. Come on, am I talking? All it takes is, listen, all it takes is one failure to say failure. All it takes is just one. I just want you to know that God is our Lord and He's the only one who can speak in our lives. That Satan, the accuser of the brethren, I understand that He's the serpent in Genesis 3. 
But when you get into Revelation chapter 12 and on into the end of times where he is just absolutely destroyed. When you read the Revelation, especially in verse 12, listen, he's heard that, torn down, destroyed. And then when it's coming up in a couple chapters, just in a couple chapters in Revelation, right at the end, he's going to be thrown to the lake of fire to be tormented forever and ever and ever because he has no voice. The only way to overcome an accusation in our lives, in a moment of failure, and a moment of sin, and a moment of brokenness, and a moment of what? The only way to overcome the accusation that we hear over and over and over is the blood of the Lamb, Jesus dying on the cross, and the word of our testimony that we have received Him as Lord. So since He is Lord over all, Satan it doesn't have anything at all in our life. Let's walk in it. So how do we do it? I didn't want to preach this passage. Now, I confess, I, it is bad. I'm just going to confess. Yes, yeah, Lord, I don't want to talk about this passage. I don't want to go. Over. Everybody knows it. It's a super passage. It's one of those top five passages that you hear all the time. I don't even want to talk about it. So, Kevin, I, as soon as I say the first word, the vast majority of you, because you're just let me say it again. This is what I tell people about something. We were the ones who threw the parties, who threw the beer bottles against the wall. We're the ones that started the fight, took people down, put holes in the wall, destroyed the house, wrecked the cars, had a great time, and now we're in that wild for Jesus. And people go, what? I said, those are my type of people. Because I was one of them. That's why I love you. You are the salt of the earth. God uses people like us in mighty ways. We are the souls who go hard against the Lord now we're going hard for the Lord. That is why I love you. You are wild in Jesus. Don't become boring for God. People who are boring in God are odd for God. We're not going to be that. So the only way to overcome an accusation, here it is. Here's the big answer that you're going to go in a big letdown and now I'm going to feel like a failure and I'm going to keep accusing Satan's accusation. John, you're a terrible preacher. You're a terrible preacher. You're a terrible preacher. I'll respond. I might be a terrible communicator, but I'm preaching the great word. Mm, that's what I'm going to say. Silly. Alright. So here it is. My wife's favorite verses. She says it all the time. So I have to admit, she is one today. Proverbs. Three, five, and six. And this is it. What's the first word, saints? Trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct. Or other versions, ESV, other versions, NIV, other versions. Make your path straight. Do you know what the word trust is? It has an Arabic flavor, believe it or not. It literally means, so there's, how do we overcome these accusations? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so the application of that is, what does that look like right now? We do this. We say this. Okay, God, when I hear accusations of I'm not pretty enough, I'm not 
successful enough, or, or I didn't do this stuff, or I regret my life where it is, or my life might be over too far, or my beginning of my life, I'm not really happy where I'm going. I just want you to know something, that those accusations carry no weight because Satan, the accuser, is judged. So here is what happens. So we trust in the Lord. The word trust, say the word trust. Here it is, I'm gonna go fast. It means to throw, it's an Arabic, it has a, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word, but in the Arabic, it kind of really opens it up a little bit. It has to throw one down upon his face. It literally means this, saints, is to go face first, down, on my face in front of the Lord. To throw myself. So when I'm in a moment of accusation, I come in response with a place of glorification of Jesus as my Lord. I now throw myself on the ground and I say, God, though the world says this or my inside says this, I want you to know that the only voice that I'm going to submit to is the one who says this. So what happens? Think how cool it is. If we lie down on the ground as believers, if I'm lying on the ground facing Christ and you're lying down on the ground facing Christ and you're lying on the down on the ground facing Christ and you're lying and we're all lying down on facing Christ, then the non-believer over here says, wait, this is the way of the Lord. It leads right to him. People don't want to lay down their lives. But those who lay down their lives for Jesus, no greater love exists, John 15, 13, than a man lay down his life for another. Laying down our lives, the moment we're in a situation and we don't know what to do, lay down your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So here's what's interesting. So at that moment, you might say, but John, my heart's not in it. Don't worry. It can't be because God is going to give you a new heart. God is going to give us a new heart. Because when we lie, listen to this, when we lie down in the presence of Jesus, though I feel unworthy, His worthiness makes me worthy. His beauty makes me beautiful. His glorification makes my humility an example. Lie down in front of the Lord. Just stop and say, here I am. Like Isaiah said, here am I. Send me, just lie down in front of the Lord. So that's number one. So what do we do? When accusation comes in, the accuser, all Satan does now is accuse. Day and night. But he has no weight to his voice because he's condemned. Don't give him a voice in our lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You said, John, sometimes my heart's not in it. Don't worry. God took out your heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. And in fact, and I, I'll read this. You don't have to turn there. But in Ezekiel 11, 19, and 20, I will give them an undivided heart. So the moment we want to wander, uh, like the old psalm says, uh, the old hymn says, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will move from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. God's given us a moldable, makeable heart. And yes, he will do Holy Spirit surgery. And yes, it will hurt. And sometimes he will cut out emotions in our lives that will cut out people in our lives. Mm. Marcus, I love you back to you. Y'all won't get me going. 
Now I'm going to get fired, then you're going to have to move it in. I love it. I'll remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. That's what it is to trust. Just lie down and say, I'm not going to. That's metaphorically, but uh, here's what I mean by that. Just submit only to God. When, when we're not sure of the way, say, I'm not sure. I'm staying right here. And God, you'll make it clear. Because here's what I know about God. God speaks louder than my thick-headedness. He will do it. And so I'll just say, God, I'm done. Don't give me two options. Because <laughs> here's what's going to happen. Either I'm going to take the wrong one or I'm going to take both. Because if it's free, give me three. All right, so, and lean not on your what? Come on, y'all know this. And what does the word mean? Lean, it means support oneself. Some of us are in relationships where we're the ones carrying all the weight. We're supporting, we're supporting the relationship. We're supporting the job. We're supporting this. We're, we're leaning on ourselves. God, I don't know how I get the money. I'm going to make the money happen. Yes, those who don't work should, should need. I get it. And you should We should do everything I can, but I promise you, God is going to put us in a place where only he can. So here's what we got to stop doing. I'm going to be straight up and talking to myself. Stop complaining. Because what happens, God always puts us in a place of weakness. So you know what happens when I complain? The reason why I complain is because I feel like I deserve better. But when I'm grateful, I feel like I don't deserve anything. So I need to be more grateful. Lean. So I've got to, literally, literally the word means this. It means support oneself. So i got to stop supporting myself. And it carries this. And lean not on your understanding. It means the word carries the idea of stay. Don't stay in my understanding. Just give up what I'm thinking and surrender to what God says. Trust in the Lord with all your what? And lean not on your what? The word understanding there carries that idea of my own faculty, my own action. What I can see, taste, hear, touch, think, my own wisdom, my own ability to think. Listen, if God is asking me to do something, then it is only in His wisdom can I understand it. It is in only His wisdom. So my mind will not wrap around the question of why. The question I need to stop and stop asking God is why. And I need to start asking you, how? How do you want me to glorify Jesus in this situation? How do you want me to live out so people can see Jesus in this situation? Because here's what I know. God is still Lord over the situation. And he can take it away or he can allow it to stay. But either way, his face has to be seen. So number one, trust the Lord with all your what? Lean not on your own. Don't, don't quit supporting ourselves. You gotta quit supporting ourselves. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And I want to let you know what the word acknowledge means. The word acknowledge means no. If you're single, know Jesus. If you're about to get married, know Jesus. If you're in a school and you don't know why, know Jesus. If you're in a job and you can't stand it, know Jesus. If you're in a family and you're thinking, I need to walk out of here, know Jesus. Just know Jesus. Just where we are, know Jesus. Acknowledge Him means getting to know Him. Get to know Jesus intimately. I mean, let Him in into the darkest, deepest places of our heart. And I promise you, 
He won't come with judgment. He won't come with mercy. Because mercy triumphs over judgment, James says. So let him in. He's the most kind and most worthy and most humble and most loving God you will ever meet. Know him. So trust the Lord with all your what? Lean not on your own. In all your ways, what? Know him. And then, here's the result. He will do what? To our paths. He'll make it straight. He will direct your paths. Here's what that word means. You ready? The word carries three ideas I'd like to share with you. It means smooth. It means right. It means upright. So in other words, what I mean by smooth, I don't mean that everything's going to go well. What I do mean is that the peace in our heart will go well. It is well with my God. As long as I'm smooth on the inside, I can't be rattled on what's on the outside. But if I am not smooth on the inside, then the outside will determine how I feel on the inside. It means right. Right now, you might be in a situation, it doesn't feel right. But when you do those three things, you will feel right with God. You will say this, I don't like where I am, but I know this, I'm right where I need to be. My brother shared with me yesterday, he said, uh, I think it was just, no, it's Friday night. He shared with me, he said, and he's here today. He said, he shared with me, he said, John, I know I am right what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm right where I need to be. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a peace that transcends all understandings when you know that you're right where you need to be. Do you want to know that you're right? Some of you are thinking, should I be here? Should I be in this? Should I be in that? Listen, the wicked flee when no one is chasing. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. I might not like where I am, but I know God is where I am. And that gives me hope. Okay, can I let you mind? Quickly, because we're going to land the plane. Are you ready for something weird? Are y'all going to judge me? Yes, you are. Just say it. Okay, Kevin, I'll just go with you since you're elder. You can find, by the way, y'all in church, y'all know you can find me. Some of you say, I'm not a member. Don't worry. All you got to do is stand against me. Don't fire me. They're just looking for a way. Just kidding. So you know what I'm thinking about? I've been telling my wife. I want to tell you how weird I am. You ready for how weird I am? This is what I want to do. Please, y'all, give me a little grace to this because I'm weird. So when I die, I want my body to still talk about Jesus. Isn't that cool? So here's what I'm thinking. I've been talking, I've been using this now for months. Some of you already know where I'm going because I told you. So I'm thinking about it. Just I'm not saying I'm not getting debated tattoos. Listen, this is the image of God. This is the image of God as a believer. If you're putting stuff on this image that makes it about you and not about him, sin. It's simple. God isn't against tattoos. He's against tattoos that take away from him. So here's what I'm thinking. Kevin, you ready? I know y'all all, listen, I can see, I can feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can feel it here. And I'm like, nervous. We're going to have to clean up this mess. I was thinking about when I die, before I die, have, have, have the actual gospel scriptures, right, tattooed on my chest. <laughs> so y'all are laughing at me. I was thinking about it. I actually have that tattoo on my chest. And in red, big things about about the, the key, the key words, right? That we've got to repent, that we've got to trust, that it's only Jesus, like right here. So not so I can see it. This is not like in a way to 
be. But then I told Lynette, my wife, I said, Lynette, here's what I want you to do. I want you to change my clothes about three times. She's like, what? I said, okay, when you take me to the funeral home, I want you to say, oh, I don't like, I gave you these clothes, I want you to change them. Because I want them to have to read on me. Sing 
over us, and you might want to join in singing. I just want to ask you, if it's you in this room today, and when we begin to pray, and they begin to sing, as you spend time with God, as an act of saying, God, I am trusting in you. I want you just to stand. That the God of heaven, who sees everything now, Jesus at the right hand of the Father, who is moving by his very word, and the Holy Spirit who lives within us, drawing us into connection, maybe today you need to say, God, help me to stand. Paul wrote it like this in Ephesians 6. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. Ephesians 6. Today, do you need to trust him? If you're in this room, and you know I'm talking to you, God is your God, and he is not your Lord God, come on, let's tell the truth. It's not good enough. Until you say, God, you can have all of me, he's had none of you. Today, if that's you, <coughs> want to try and still stand yourself up in front of the Lord and make yourself right and lean on your own understanding, guess what? The day of judgment comes, you'll be judged and found condemned. And that's just a brother just telling one beggar, trying to tell another beggar how to find bread. That's one preacher once said. And I don't say that with any arrogance because if it went for Jesus, I'm burning. So I'm just telling you today, Stop listening to the voice of your understanding and start trusting the God and His Word that is understanding. And if you're believing in this room today and there's anything in your life you say, I don't even understand why all these tough things are happening to me on this football team, I hear you. I hear you. The reason why is there's a bigger level and a bigger devil. The accusations get more so that God can be seen greater. Swim. Trust in the Lord today with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And guess what? He is faithful. He's not a liar. He will make the path straight. Father, so this is our prayer today. And I believe there might be some people in this room that just need to go ahead and trust in you about a certain thing, about a certain situation. And I'm not sure what it is or what it, what it needs to be, but God, you will make that way. And so, God, I want to pray right now. If there are people in this room that need to trust you about a situation, they'll just stand up right now as I'm praying. They'll just go ahead and stand and say, God, it's between you and I. I, I, I want to trust you, Lord, if there's some people seated around them and it's not too weird for them and they might want to reach out and lay a hand and pray with them, hey, that's cool too. But God, I just pray today. I pray today that we will trust you, that we will throw ourselves at your feet and we'll just say, hey, God, I'm standing in this situation. I'm standing because though I'm weak, you are strong. Though I'm poor, you're rich. And Lord, when I feel empty, 